Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Dancing on Our Disabilities show is a global forum where you're invited to share your personal story of survival and triumph over disability. A meeting place to gather information from experts in the medical community and additional resources for the enrichment of society. A group dedicated to bringing information, support, and love into the lives of people with disabilities, as well as their caregivers. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Dancing on Our Disabilities. I'm Myra, your host. We celebrate amazing stories of triumph and applaud the human spirit for rising above adversity and moving towards success. Visit us on facebook.com forward slash dancing on our disabilities. Remember to like the page when you visit and leave a comment. You can also visit my website at myragoldick.com and visit the show archives. If you sign up for my newsletter, I'll send you a free gift. We are listed as capital. M-S-I-N-D-O-O-D, radio on iTunes, on Stitcher.com, on TalkShoe.com, and on TuneIn.com. Our topic today is painting with your mouth. Can you imagine the kind of patience, talent, and perseverance it takes to paint an entire painting using only your mouth with a paintbrush held between your teeth. What is so amazing about it is that you would never look at the the paintings and believe how they were produced because they are so beautiful. Individuals who create this kind of art do not have the use of their hands or arms. If you never painted yourself, you may not initially comprehend the kind of intense concentration it requires on the part of the artist. Since I do paint, I am completely amazed and in awe. Can you conceive of the frustration if a mouth painter drops their favorite brush or the one they need for that particular effect that they are creating. What this kind of endeavor displays is the beauty of the human spirit to transcend all obstacles and achieve a goal. Dancing on our Disabilities Radio is so excited to have a gentleman who paints with his mouth visiting today. His name is Mark Zotak. Mark was born and raised in Rocky River, Ohio, right on the shore of the Erie, Lake Erie. So it was natural that he loved the outdoors and had a great sense of adventure. Mark left home in 19, 
81 to attend college in Florida, full of dreams and hopes, where his life would suddenly be changed forever. One night, Mark had a tragic accident while traveling in a vehicle with many of his friends that lost control and rolled over three times and came to rest on a roadside ditch. Mark was left with severe spinal injury, confining him to a wheelchair for the rest of his life. He went back to Ohio for treatment and rehab after the accident, but eventually moved to Palm Beach, where he acquired a degree in law. Is that not amazing? Such perseverance. But law really wasn't what fulfilled Mark. So I'm going to let him tell you the rest of the story. He's a very religious man and really believes that God has come to help him through his challenge. Welcome, Mark. Good morning, Myra. How are you? Fantastic. I'm really thrilled to have you sharing some time with us today on Dancing on Our Disabilities. I gave well, him, I'm sorry, but I gave her, I know, uh, it's our pleasure. Mark, I gave an overview of your story a minute ago, but tell us in your own words what it was like rebuilding your life and finding the courage you needed to go on. Well, Mark, that, that took place very early on. Um, I, was, I was 18 years old when, when I was injured and... Um, you know, it's many nights laying in a hospital bed and trying to negotiate with God who, you know, doesn't always speak back to you right away. Um, so you make plans for yourself. You try to dream. You try to put your life back together. And and most of the time for me, it was it was a fear of, of stopping too long um, that, that scared me into being so aggressive with with trying to overcome you know what was now a disabling condition that must have been really difficult for you to comprehend i understand because of my own personal life but you you really had to have fortitude to go back to school and get your degree as a lawyer and do all the work. We all know that that's an intensive line of study. So, you know, I, I really commend you for having the courage to do that. When did you discover that that wasn't what filled your heart with joy? Well, I actually discovered that it wasn't going to fill my heart with joy before I even began law school. I was a... Uh, an English major in college, and near the end of my my junior year, I realized that um, I was going to have to find a profession uh, that I could link to a, an English degree and still make enough money to take care of myself with a disability and 
pay for the medical supplies, the the physical assistance I was going to need, um, all of the the things that you don't think about when when you don't know about being an individual with a disability. So I was talked into attending law school, or at least applying for law school, by a good friend of mine. And um, I thought that at the worst, it was going to be putting off trying to make the decision of what I wanted to do for a living for three more years. And um, at best, I would find a job that um, would pay relatively well and allow me to live at least a a comfortable lifestyle. Many people who find themselves in that situation who are able-bodied, that have never had any severe health challenge of any kind, make choices based on what people, other people, tell them they should do because they haven't quite found themselves or their calling. I think it's a very common problem that people face when they go through different transitions in their life and they have to decide, well, how am I going to live and still remain happy and content? And I think, unfortunately for many people, they don't discover who they really are until they're in midlife. And then they suddenly wake up and say, oh my gosh, I'm on the wrong path. But I've got a mortgage. I've got a family. I have bills to pay. I have all of this to do. How do I escape? In a way, you're very fortunate that you, even though you went through it all and got your degree, you had the courage to stop and say, no, this is leaving me empty and I need to follow what really drives me. And and I guess maybe that might have been the gift that you received from God. Um, it, it, it was a gift from God. Unfortunately, um, with my personality, I tend to squeeze everything out of a situation even if it's even if I recognize in the middle of it that it's probably not the situation I want to be in um, and in the past it's left me in difficult places I've I went through a divorce I I um, I lost my law practice um, and I eventually lost a home in Columbus, Ohio, to foreclosure. And when I left Ohio to come to Florida, it was more out of brokenness um, and less out of self-discovery than I would have hoped it would be. And even arriving in Palm Beach County, I, I searched for things that I thought were going to be good for me. And the only time that things actually began to get good for me was when I really stopped trying. Um, You mentioned my faith, and yes, I'm a very faithful person, but I'd never really turned to my faith or trusted it until I'd really hit 
um, rock bottom or quite literally the bottom of a canal because I, I was driving and, and lost control of my van and, and it went over a, a embankment and I was sitting in four feet of water and thinking, I just can't be doing it this the right way. So um, I just turned to God and said, you know, if you can do a better job with my life, then it's yours. I'm giving up. Not going to quit, but I'm giving up on trying to control what I do, when I do, and how I do it. And um, I'm leaving that part up to you. And that's when life literally turned 180 degrees for me. It's very interesting what you describe because you describe the black hole of depression that comes when tremendous adversity hits. You tried and then you had a wake-up call. And the wake-up call could have cost you your life for the second time. So two, two rush, rushes with death finally made you say, now I'm just going to, I'm going to follow the light. And that's what it sounds like to me, that you, you let yourself follow that drive that was really in your heart. So how did you discover art? Um, well, the light uh, was always there. I guess I just always chose to, you know, try to pull the shade down on it. But, um, you know, when I finally made this decision to, to just, just kind of stop and and wait, um, wait for revelation, wait for, um, you know, something that, that would come along and lead me down not only a path of purpose for myself, but a path of purpose for, for what God wanted me to do. And um, the painting aspect of uh, the, the painting part of my life it, it actually found me. Um, I was I was bored, and my van was in the shop, having been uh, in four feet of water, and I couldn't get out of my house. And I decided to go to our community center here in my development for the first time. And there was a woman there painting, and I sat there and watched her. And at one point, I mumbled under my breath, I, gee, I wish I could paint. And she turned around to me and she goes, oh, everybody can paint. And I said, no, you don't understand. I couldn't even draw stick figures before my accident, let alone, you know, do anything artistic. And now that I can't use my hands, I, I, I doubt I could do anything. And um, she was very encouraging and very... I uh, had this wonderful spiritual outlook, and the next day she showed up my, at my house with easels and canvases and paintbrushes and paints, and, and um, you know, I was thinking to myself, oh, Lord, please tell me this is not how you, you plan to rescue me from, from the darkness, um, but... Uh, <laughs> But it was his plan, and she stuck a paintbrush in my mouth and said, "Let's paint." And and I 
haven't stopped in 12 years. Wow. How long did it take you to master control that brush? Because it's amazing to me how incredibly beautiful your art is using only your mouth and, you know, manipulating the brush and your head a little bit. So how long did it take? Well, it's it's still... It's still occurring. I'm still learning how to how to use um, various brushes, various uh, techniques, um, and uh, but it, it it first began um, in in this cloud of doubt. You know, I, I I would try to I would think, gee, it'd be nice to paint um, a scene with a person in it, and you know, I'm thinking, well, I, I'm really not talented enough to paint a person, so, you know, I'll do a glorified stick figure. And halfway through painting the stick figure, I would I would recognize in myself that I did have the ability to, you know, to paint a person, something that, you know, looked more like a person than a stick figure would. And so halfway through many of my paintings were, I thought it was just going to be uh, an outlet for either my boredom or my frustration, I would come to a point and realize I could really do this. Um, that, you know, I had been gifted with an ability to uh, to put what was in my head or what was in a picture or what, what I was looking at around me onto a canvas with paint. Um, and... I did. I did a lot of modifications to paintbrushes. I would add extensions to them. I would, you know, cut the bristles, you know, off or trim them to to do what I needed them to do. I have some brushes that are six inches long, and and when I do detail, I'm I'm nearly cross-eyed at the canvas, and other brushes that are that are two and two and a half feet long, where um, I would be able to paint a much larger vertical surface without straining my neck, which has got some limited range of motion. So all those things have been part of a learning process. I've just been very blessed to have people around who not only help me with the the paints and the actual um, the actual uh, dynamics of painting, but but also help me with creating the different uh, modalities that I need to put paint on a canvas. Well, I uh, was fortunate enough to do an exhibit with Mark several years back, maybe uh, two, three years ago, and Mark was painting in the public, and people would just stop in their tracks to see this work that he was creating simply and I should not use the word simply, but by using only his mouth. So if you have not had the opportunity to watch a talent like Mark, I would say that you have to go see his work and tell us where it's on exhibit right now. 
Well, my work, um, and again, I feel I feel very fortunate and blessed to have met um, a very dynamic and terrific young man. Um, his name is A.J. Brockman, and his dream was to open up a gallery, and a gallery not just for art, as people would think of it, uh, right off right off the bat, you know, being paintings or sculptures. Um, he has opened up an establishment that treats the brewing of beer as an art, the creating of wine as an art, um, music, comedy, um, anything that that might be um, that might tap into you know an individual's creativity, um, and all of it has been put on display at his establishment in Lake Park called the Brew House Art Gallery. And um, he's done a wonderful job there. It's different from any art gallery you would walk into. It is a coffee house. It is a pub. It is a, it's a place where there is live music most days of the week, most evenings of the week. And... Um, it's a place where you can go in and choose from 45 different craft beers that that uh, some of which are are distributed exclusively at his gallery, and it's become one of the hottest places in Palm Beach County. And he was recently recognized um, for um, his the brew house was recently uh, named as one of the top um, 20 places in Palm Beach County to hang out. So it's it's a wonderful establishment. He's a great guy, and I just feel very fortunate that, um, you know, he asked me if I would like to display my art in his gallery, and right now there are 40 pieces hanging, and... and, um, I'm I'm very lucky, very fortunate. Well, you deserve it. You've done all the work, you've done all the hard work, and you're continuing to work on it, tapping into your creativity on every level. And uh, I'd like to say that I know that there is a big celebration on May 16th, and I believe it's almost all day long going on. Uh, Mark, you're going to be there, I'm going to be visiting, and come on down, folks. Come and see Mark's work and, and, and discover this great place just to have a cup of coffee or a brew. So we're going to take a very short break, and we're going to be back with Mark, and we're going to be talking about some other thoughts that Mark might have moving forward into the future. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Sign up today for my weekly radio show announcements and guest information and receive a free chapter of my newest book, Dancing on Your Disabilities, Never Say Impossible to Your Dreams, my story of perseverance, passion, hope, and happiness. Dreams do come true despite adversity. If I can do it, you can do it too. Hello again. This is Dancing on Our Disabilities. We're talking to Mark Sotek, mouth painter, uh, recovered from a very tragic accident that left 
him with uh, a spinal cord injury that affected the use of his body from the neck down. He has very limited, limited use of his limbs. So he has survived and he is the epitome of inspiration. Not only earning a law degree, but moving on to follow his passion to bring joy and fulfillment into, into his life as an artist. Having the courage and the fortitude to not give up. You know, Mark, stats show that the dis- disability community is the fastest growing subgroup in the country, and it is a minority that anyone can become a part of at any time. You and I both know that. Now, one statistic are so aggressive, and I don't think anybody really realizes it. Most people think that this kind of mobility, visible or invisible, because there are so many ways that a person can have a challenge in their life happens to one out of four 20-year-olds today before they retire. Most likely, it's from illness. And so many people are unprepared and they don't know what to do when this type of thing happens to them. And to mention a few, let me remind the listeners that even a a short-term illness can change your life, cancer, diabetes, a brain injury, a stroke, MS, multiple sclerosis. I could go on and on and on. Very few of us are not touched or people that we love are not touched by disability. And, you know, the government is doing a lot right now to make things easier for us. What words of encouragement would you offer people who may face adversities at some point in life, Mark? Well, I would I would encourage people to not to panic, not to um not to turn away from their you know, their life paths. Um a disability is going to change your life, whether it's temporary or whether it's whether it's more permanent, like um, like my spinal cord injury or, or or like you know the the challenges that you face, Myra. Um, but um, there are there are so many ways to to approach. Um, dealing with the rest of your life. And I think that um, on the whole, we're doing a whole lot better um, with um, not only dealing with the psychological aspect of of someone who has a disability, but also the vocational retraining and the the financial assistance. Um, I know that that I was a, a beneficiary of but um, you know, any yeah, I'm sure you've probably encountered this, Myra. Is you know, when somebody is is 
either in a car accident or they've had something occur in their life where where it's just it seems devastating at the moment um, to try to, to try to bring that light you know into the darkness of the disability is a difficult thing to do um, it's difficult to say oh you know give it six months and then you'll be able to um, begin trying to walk again or you may not walk again and you'll learn how to use a wheelchair or you know we're sorry you you've lost your sight or your or your hearing um, but you'll get used to it one never really gets used to their disability one can only learn to to um, you know try not to fear it to try to um, I was in denial for years you know, about being disabled and, and didn't want to do the things that other people with disabilities did. So um, I'm laughing. I'm laughing, Mark, because I think that's a common reaction. Yeah. No, I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, interrupt you, but I think it's a natural, a natural uh, reaction to, oh, come on. I um, uh, I don't want to be lumped into that category. It's something that we naturally reject. Even the word itself seems negative. Yeah, it's, you know, there's probably no good word to describe, you know, a loss of function or a, you know, a... You know, individuals who are who are born with with uh, physical or mental challenges. You know, there's you know disability or handicap or or challenged is is not a word that's going to bring any comfort. You know, it's um, and I think that you know in a politically correct world we try to say things like oh we're we're otherwise um, gifted or were, you know, were not disabled, but were enabled in different ways. And those are positive things, but I think that any individual needs to deal with the fact that, um, you know, they, they are not going to function like, you know, most people around them. And then, you know, come to a grips with that and then to begin to look for for an outlet for not only their um, their spirit um, but their efforts and and in my case my creativity and that's been you know that's been a huge blessing I never would have tried painting had it not been for my spinal cord injury so in a way I I need to embrace it in order to um, be successful at what I'm doing now that's very well put and I do see changes. I, I was disabled at a very young age, at 10. And I remember life before the ADA as well as you do. And I remember that I did want to hide whatever I could. I never wanted to disclose what my problem was. So I we're moving beyond that and the 503 mandate which 
was passed in March 2014. Uh, it's a mandate to the um, Labor Act of uh, nine, uh, 1978. And what it requires is for federal contractors to have at least 7% of their workforce. And we're not talking about entry level. We're talking about every level. So if someone is technology um, efficient, or they're an accountant, or whatever they are experts at, regardless of their challenge, they are required to have 7% filled with people. They're, they're open positions filled with people that are considered disabled. And not only is the federal contractor going to have to be accountable for that, there are subcontractors or, and down the line. So if you think of the market, how huge it is, think about pharmaceuticals. Think about big stores, big box stores. Think about electronics. All these things supply the military. So you're a federal contractor. Jobs are going to be, because statistically, people with disabilities are the lowest employed group in the United States. Uh -huh. And it hasn't changed much since 1990 when the um, ADA Act was passed. So this is a big, huge improvement. All the agencies that I have known through years, the ones that have helped me that I am really grateful for and the ones that have helped you are now on a bigger push to get people employed with disabilities. And I think by doing that, Mark, the social stigmas that we associate with people with disabilities, like going into a restaurant if you're in a wheelchair and having them talk to the person who's walking with you instead of you as if you couldn't answer a question yourself, all of the type of things that we're exposed to as people with challenges are going to end because they are going to be a lot more visible to the public in general. They're going to be a lot more accepted as people with talents and abilities. And there's going to be less emphasis on their disability because we're going to be more and more used to seeing them in positions of power. How do you feel about that? Are you positive about that? Well, I'm always positive about um, changes that are made to, to facilitate, um, facilitate uh, changes in life for the better for, for any group of people. Um, I think that what you're doing, Myra, and and exposing or talking to people who um, can provide either inspiration or guidance to to others out there is is as as is, is as great a service, if not more, so than the changes in the law. Um, you know, people a change in the law is is really worthless unless people know about it and are empowered to take advantage of it. Um, so, yes, it is encouraging, and I'm sure that 
in the long run, you know, more people with disabilities will find work and find purpose and, um, you know, leave that, that statistical, you know, basement where uh, typically you don't find workers anymore or you, you never found workers before. Um, and I hope that becomes a, a, re, uh, a reality. Um, right now, uh, even, even the 1990 Americans with Disabilities Act um, never really, um, never really, uh, in my opinion, gave people the opportunities that I think it, it was hoped that the law would bring. So um, awareness is going to be very important. And that's why I'm, I'm grateful to you and grateful to um, others who are willing to, you know, look past the disability and, and look at the individual, really. That is where it's going to be most um, greatly felt is not, you know, being part of a 7% of the a workforce that's, that's disabled and, and, you know, being part of a quota that needs to be met, but instead being seen as an individual with, with talents and um, skills that are, are valued. I agree with you completely, and I thank you for those kind words. Education is the key, and it ends the fear. It ends the discomfort that people feel, and a lot of it is discomfort. A lot of people don't know how to react when they're around somebody who has a disability, and they feel so helpless that they, they do peculiar things. I have to tell you a little story. And, and, and this is about education. I went to a seminar, and it was at a major hotel chain. And I got there very early because I use a mobility device. Um, I'm always in a scooter or a power chair. And I, I never want to be in anybody's way. And I, I'm already familiar, even though the ADA requires certain hotel chains and restaurants and meeting places to allow access, this particular hotel chain, which I will not mention, obviously, obviously didn't change, uh, didn't uh, train the employees very well because I parked my scooter way in the corner of the room. It was a big room, and there were probably about 500 people attending the seminar. And just before the seminar began and the room began to fill, fill up, they decided to come to me and ask if they could move my scooter. And they did so. I said, yes, of course. I neglected to tell them, don't move it where I can't see it or find it. Well, at lunchtime, <laughs> when I got up from my seat, of course, having extreme limited mobility, just you know, a couple of steps here and there, Where's my scooter? It's gone. Where's the person that moved it? He's gone. Now, you know what they did? They put it in the closet. Now, what would have happened to me in a fire? <laughs> and I said, education is the key. That's like taking away 
complete independence from a person. Nobody's going to worry about where my scooter is. They're all going to want to escape. So it, this is what my calling in life is, reminding people that we are people and we need our independence. You use your, your power chair. I use my mobility device. And people have to be educated that you don't just say, well, transfer over here, and then I'll hide this. So you're right, education and so forth. Mark, your work is so beautiful. I want to encourage everyone to go and visit the brew house and take a look at Mark's work. And I, I really want you to tell people how, or people who are interested in and uh, showing your work at their gallery. How, how do they contact you? Um, I can be contacted uh, by telephone. Um, my business number is area code 561-315-5630. Um, I'm currently, after I get off the, out, the call, you, Myra. <laughs> I will be putting the finishing touches on a website, um, which is marksotak.com or simply sotak, S-O-T-A-K, dot net. Um, so I will have that. And my Facebook page, um, again, if you search Mark Sotak, is is mostly a, a public site, and, and there are um, galleries in there. Um, there will be a business site uh, on Facebook soon that links to my individual Facebook page um, that will show events and and um, new paintings as they come out. Um, but um, yeah, the brew house is a great place to come and and hang out, uh, whether you're looking at my paintings or not. Um, and meet you. And meet yeah. you on, on May 16th. Uh, make sure you come by and say hello to Mark. Yeah, and all day, you know, one one thirty until midnight. There's going to be music and great food and and a lot of artists showing off their skills and talents. And um, it's just going to be a terrific time in Lake Park. The brew house is at 720 Park Avenue and. Um, it's in a beautiful, uh, growing arts district in Lake Park. So, yeah, it'd be wonderful to see people out there. Well, Mark, you are an absolute delight. You are an absolute inspiration. We're almost at the top of the hour here. What are your dreams for tomorrow? My dreams for tomorrow? Well, Myra, you know, I've always, I've always tried to live by the notion that, um, you know, none of us are promised tomorrow, that, um, you know, today brings brings its own, you know, rewards and concerns, um, let tomorrow take care of itself. But, you know, in reality, we do all have dreams that, that um, go on past today. And, you know, I would like to be able to continue painting. I would like to be in love. Um, I was married once and that didn't work out and still waiting for a rebound of sorts. Um, and um, I would like um, 
to see, you know, our our world change. I don't know if that's going to happen. It's a crazy place out there. Uh, it is a crazy place out there, Mark, but we have to be the change we want to see yes, in the I think world. We, we can only mm-hmm. be the change in ourselves, Byron, and then hope that we're some kind of example or or model for others to to um, to change their behaviors as well. Well said. Very well said. And for all of you out there in cyberspace, first of all, I want to thank Mark for sharing his time with us today. And I want to thank you for stopping by. All this information will be in the blog that I write, and it will have Mark's contact information. And remember to share it with your friends so they find out about this wonderful event at the Brew House and how to see Mark's work and to visit him on Facebook and to stop by and visit Dancing on Our Disabilities on Facebook as well. Let us know what you think and let us know about your story. And for all of you, if you get the chance to sit it out or dance, dance. You've been listening to Dancing on Our Disabilities, a production created for the people and by the people. If you wish to contribute information, your story, or reliable, validated medical information to our program, please visit Myra Goldick or visit our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash dancing on our disabilities. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.